0: Welcome to the mini break. Your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, November 19th. Three of the four semifinalist spots officially decided at this year's Tour Finals. It's going to be Rafael Nadal joining group winners Dominic Thiem and Daniil Medvedev in the semifinal round. Of course, we will find out the fourth member of the tournament to join them in that round on Friday as Novak Djokovic and Alex Ziryev play in elimination match to decide who gets the spot. Want to recap Thursday's matches on today's podcast preview, of course, the two Friday battles, although I suppose really only one of them is a battle. But again, we'll get to that later on in the podcast and then talk a little bit about the challenger action going on this week because we've got three, as all of you listeners know, and they are getting more and more fun as this week progresses. So we're going to talk about all of those things on today's show. Just going to be me steering the ship, although my promise to all of you listeners is that i will drag jamie mcdonald on the podcast tomorrow we'll give our initial reactions to the round robin play we saw in london and of course play a little game of guess the lines for what is that saturday's semi-finals so be on the lookout for that podcast tomorrow of course in the meantime you want to hear a little bit about thursday and of course we will talk about that on today's show And the reason we are able to talk about each and every day in the professional tennis world here at Crack Crack, Rackets, not only because of the support we get from you listeners, not only because of the support we get from our Patreon family. And I know I say this every day, but that doesn't mean I'm glossing over the fact we are so appreciative of you listeners who keep tuning in day in, day out. It's why we do it, because we really do uh, love engaging with all of you fans in the broader tennis community. But of course, the reason we are able to do this the way we are able to pay the bills day in, day out, because of the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use the promo code CR15 to have all of your tennis equipment needs satisfied. Go to Aerobar.com. Use the promo code CRACK15. Get 15% off and get your hands on the only tennis-specific energy bars in the business. They have solved the science of tennis through the power of Nougat. You can as well by turning to our friends at Aerobar.com. Let them know we sent you there by using that promo code CR15. Of course, look good feel good, play good, Midwest Sports, Aerobar, and us here at Cracked Rackets. But... With that in mind, let's start with the matches in London. And as always, let's go chronologically. And I think it was a gift to all of us fans that they ended up playing this match first. But of course, let's start with the win for Andre Rublev. Straight set, 6-2, 7-5 over group winner uh, Dominic Team. Now, of course, Dominic Team knew he had clinched the group. He had a spot in Saturday's semifinals coming into this one. And with all due respect, because again... We'll get to Andre Rubloff's performance in a second. But you could see that's the story of this match. Dominic team, the tank was at, you know, he was on cruise control in this match. A solid 72, I would say, on the highway, right? You want to get to your destination with a little bit of pace. And you're not exactly just going the speed limit or under the speed limit. You're still giving your effort. You're still pushing it to the max and even sometimes a little bit over that. But it's a comfortable max. You're not going to get a speeding ticket. You're not going to get in any sort of trouble if you're going 72 two miles per hour on the highways, at least in Michigan, where all the speed limits are 70 miles per hour. Two miles over the limit is what I am trying to say. Anyways, Dominic team that, you know, barely two miles per hour over the limit, if that, in this match at times, it was lackadaisical. I mean, I haven't seen him hit this many backhand slices in quite a bit of time. And in fairness, he should conserve energy. He's got a chance to up his result from last year. He was a finalist here. He really does look like he has a chance to follow up that U.S. Open title with a year on championship here in London. But, you know, you can't afford to play half speed against Andre Rublev because, of course, he was still looking for his first win at this event. He did not want to leave this stage 0-3, and he wanted to end his season on the note it deserved. And look, from start to bottom, you look at the stats in this match, Andre Rublev was the player, a uh, better player. He jumped out to an early break on Dominic and In this match, 26 winners against 9 unforced errors. Fairly certain he didn't hit a single unforced error in that first set. Of course, he raced out to a 6-2 Two-one break of serve lead. It wasn't until three, uh, fourth, two, excuse me, in that uh, third, a uh, second set. See, I'm mixing up all the numbers. Four-two in that second set that Dominic team managed to break Rublev back after he missed a forehand. Or excuse me, it was three-two-four-three three, all is when Dominic team got the break back. But look, Rublev in this match was so good at playing plus one tennis. He was averaging one twenty-three on the first serve, making sixty-seven percent of them, winning. of those points. I mean, more importantly, you could tell for Dominic Team he was standing pretty close to the baseline or only a little bit behind it on the return of serve, trying to take an aggressive stance, trying to end points way earlier than he did in the Rafa match. And so Rublev, 65% conversion rate on his second serve points for Team. He made 71% of his first serves, but only 66% on those points. 35% on second serve points. Rublev, 4 of 10 on his break point chances in this match. I mean, look, when team would hang a second serve, Rublev would hit a big plus one return. And it's worth noting, a Dominic team clearly in this match noted in the script, okay, hey, if I want to have success, to hit the serve down the T because if I hit the serve down the T, now Rublev is in the center of the court. He doesn't have easy angles available to him, no obvious spaces to you know hit after. And so then Dominic Team can play plus one tennis tennis. And it did seem on multiple occasions in that second set when he needed it, he could find the ace down the T. But I mean case in point to get broken at five all in that second set. It's after a long deuce game, multiple deuces, they play this grueling point for Rublev. Rublev to get another break chance, and then Dominic team tries to serve in volley, and just goes for this really cute backhand drop shot volley that misses a little bit wide, and it's just like if the, if there were stakes on the line, I promise you, there's no way Dominic team hits that shot. Nevertheless, again, I'm not trying to take anything away from Rublev team in this match: 16 winners against 15 unforced errors. Again, for Rublev, 26 to nine. Uh, that's exceptional, and that's the word to describe Andre Rublev's uh, 2020 season. It was exceptional. obviously. Obviously, he's inside the top 10. Now he's going to end this year at number eight. He's got two ATP 500s to his name. He made back-to-back quarterfinals on two different surfaces at the U.S. Open and French Open within, you know, a three-week span, and uh, the sort of progress he gained, the experience he put under his belt, you can't measure that. You can't quantify that, what that means to him moving forward, but if anything, what he learned is stay the course. Whatever he's doing with his team to develop, it's clearly worked. He's maximized his strengths in the first serve and the forehand. I mean, if he gets a clean look at a forehand, the point is over. He's winning it unless he commits an unforced error, but he has control of the point at the moment he gets his first forehand in a rally. The backhand significantly better. I mean, it held up under pressure. Dominic team really tried to target the Rublev backhand, bait him into being over aggressive. He wasn't in this match. He stayed patient. He went cross court. He opened up down the line when the moment called for it. I thought he just played a really disciplined match from start to finish. And so again, him, you know, the things you want to work on. He's still not an elite lateral mover. That needs to get better. He needs to find a second gear so that when someone like a Rafa or someone like a Tsitsipas is taking time away from him, what can he do to slow things down to find his way back to neutral in a rally, and then, of course, ultimately find a forehanded. But those are good problems to have. The volleys, they've gotten significantly better. In particular, you know, he's never going to be a natural volleyer, but his first volley has gotten so, so much better throughout the course of this season. So obviously, you know, I said it coming into this tournament, he was my candidate for player of the year. And after what we saw from Dominic Team, and honestly, if not Nadal, Djokovic, one one of them wins this event. They're the player of the year because they also have slam titles, and, you know, they've probably played Andre Rublev out of contention there, but he was one of the five best players of this season. Only Novak Djokovic can potentially pass him for most wins on the year, and that feels justified. I mean, Andre Rublev was that good in 2020. He may have been eliminated, but certainly not defeated in my mind, and literally not defeated on today's day as he ends up winning this match 6-7. Five. That was match number one. A great opener for our popcorn elimination match of the day. Rafael Nadal versus Stefano Tsitsipas. Of course, this match, a rematch of last year's battle between these two players. Nadal, a three-set winner on that occasion. A three-set winner on this occasion as well. 6-4, 4-6, 6-2. Now, here's the stat that blows you away just to start, right? Rafael Nadal, plus 19 in terms of winners to unforced errors. 32 winners. 13 unforced errors. That's ridiculous, especially when you're playing someone who puts as much pressure on you as Stefano Tsitsipas, who was really good in this match. Now, 23 winners against 29 unforced errors doesn't jump off the screen, but he won 73% of his first serve points. He jumped on Nadal really when it was unexpected, you know, held his way out of trouble a couple of different times and then got that break after Nadal sort of blinked at 4-5 in that second set. Nadal throws in a double fault on set point. But, of course, there were just a couple of instances when, look, Tsitsipas clearly saw the Dominic team game fill. If you're going to play Rafa Nadal with a one-handed backhand, you can't be afraid to go after your backhand cross-court and really try and rip that ball to open up the court, and you also can't be afraid to take the forehand early and down the line to the Rafa forehand, move in against that Rafa forehand, force him to hit a spectacular pass, and look, what's most admirable for Stefano pass in this match, nineteen of uh, 9 of 14, excuse me, at the net, but I don't think that's a true reflection of how much pressure he put on Rafa consistently when he hit the approach shot, hit the forehand down the line, continued to try and move forward, and, you know, I think it was at 3 all uh, love 15, or maybe it was no, it was 4 all love 15, excuse me. The game where CT Pass gets broken in that first set. Uh, it's the love 15 point after CT Pass loses that first point, and it's a long rally, and CT Pass ends up ripping a short angle backhand cross court really just rips the ball through the court and ends up winning the point on that shot and he unleashes this big roar and you could just tell he understood hey that's the shot that needs to hold up for me that's the shot that's going to win me this match but ultimately as Rafa so often does two righties with one handers the lefty spin just broke him down the heaviness of his forehand the serve plus one the fact that he got a serve to the pass backhand and then he gets to play a a plus one forehand to pass's backhand corner. pass is done because it's going backhand corner, backhand corner. You're going to start to cheat over. That's when Rafa goes down the line. Or he's going to go down the line when you least expect it. Short angle, he's going to sneak in behind it and knock off a backhand volley. His volleys get better and better with each and every passing season. And I mean, in this match, that was the story. And pass needed to have his backhand return hold up. He needed to create chances for himself. Rafa was too consistent. You know, again, how many on unfor- stairs, was it? Only 13 on the day. He also made 65% of his first serves, won 81% of those first serve points, 60% of his second serve points. And again, Tsitsipas played really well in this match, was so disciplined physically during those first two sets, just taking the ball early, trying to take Rafa away, not being afraid to make an error or two if it was in the name of being aggressive, of trying to just not allow Rafa to get into his patterns to dictate play. And look, I felt like every time Tsitsipas hit a slice in this match, he lost that point because the second you hit a slice, you give Rafael Nadal time. And the one thing you cannot do ever, particularly when you have a one-handed backhand going out, up against a lefty who hits the ball as heavy as Nadal's. You can't give Nadal time. And, too, you know, Pass too often the backhand floated a little bit and it gave Rafa the forehand he was looking for, particularly in that third set, he just wore him down over time. And Pass played really well in this match, but, I mean, the physical performance, again, from Rafa, he is hungry for this title in Paris. He looks healthy. He's playing in Paris, in London, excuse me. He's playing so much better than he was in Paris. And if you're a Rafa fan, you absolutely love to see this because again, Pass did not play poorly. There were times when Pass would take balls early down the line or had Rafa stretched to the open court and tried to put pressure on Rafa. And again, Rafa would hit the -the on-the-run winner. Rafa would dip it at the feet, or Rafa would, uh, again, it, again, it felt like any time Rafa could find the Tsitsipas backhand, he would win the point in this, not every time, but, you know, if Tsitsipas had a first serve to dictate with, to play plus one tennis, to move Rafa around a little bit with his forehand, then he looked a lot better than when Rafa was able to get a ball deep, and even there were some bailout returns where the ball would just kind of be shanked to the Tsitsipas backhand, but then Rafa would get a second forehand, and, and the point was just on his racket, and, and so, Tsitsipas fought. He clawed. He absolutely, again, competed as well as you would ever want any of these young guys to compete against Rafa in this stage. And, you know, for Tsitsipas, is it a little bit disappointing that he didn't defend his title? I'm sure he would say yes, and he did say as much in the post-match press conference, but at the same time, he gets to hold on to those points, and more importantly, again... Yes, he lost this match, but this was absolutely a step forward for him. Semifinals at the French Open this season dealt with adversity after a bad loss to Borna George at the US Open, and his season got better and better from there, uh, or at least he. Certainly, uh, you know, the makes the final of the ATP 500, or was it the final? Yeah, that makes the final in Hamburg uh, and loses to Rublev, but then beats him to make the semifinals, takes Djokovic to five sets in that French Open semifinal. It was a great clay court season. You know, again, would Tsitsipas have probably liked to have been a bit more consistent throughout the year, put a couple titles next to his name? Sure, but this was a step forward. He was measurably better, measurably you know, improved physically, and continues to show the Quavos in the big moments to be willing to attack, to be willing to fail, uh, which so many of these top players talk about. You have to be willing to fail in the big moments before you can succeed. And Pass just, he knocks off every checkmark. So again, eliminated, but certainly not defeated. Uh, and now he did lose today's match, so I suppose he was defeated. And his 2020 season comes to a conclusion, but it was a great year for Stefano Pass. And for Rafa, now he advances to the semifinals one step closer. To earning that elusive year-end championship, uh, come that much closer to completing anything you could want uh, on your tennis resume. But... Those were the matches in London on Thursday. Let's talk a little bit about what we have on Friday, and I suppose we have to start. And again, I don't love talking about him right now, but the elimination match, Novak Djokovic versus Alex Zverev, going to be the sixth time these guys have played, third time they've played at the World Tour Finals. They split matchups in 2018, Zverev winning the final match, Djokovic winning in the round robin. Now, what's interesting is these guys have played five times, three of them on hardcore uh, two of them on clay. Only one of the five matches has gone three sets. And it feels worth noting, here's the thing that jumps out. In the two matches, Alex Zverev won Against Novak Djokovic, uh, Djokovic only won 31 percent of the second serve points and 46 percent of his second serve points against Zverev. Now compare that to the other occasions, Zverev uh, losing or Djokovic winning over 65 percent on two of them, 60 percent in the third win. I mean, what that tells you, as always, this match it feels like very much could be controlled by Alex Virov on his racket. Indoor hardcourt, if he serves big, if he plays big on the second serve, or more importantly, if he makes a high percentage of his first serves because corresponding with that high second serve win percentage in his two victories, Alex Virov won 84% of his first serve points and then 79% of his first serve points in his two victories the other two times. Those numbers much closer or below 60 I mean, it sounds simple when you say if Zverev serves well, he wins this match, but after what we saw against from Djokovic in, against Medvedev, if Zverev can make this match physical, if he can stay patient, uh, he can absolutely win this one, and I think his serve at this point is the biggest weapon in terms of a stroke on court, of course, Novak Djokovic, what he does mentally, the physical pressure he puts on you, and of course, this is an elimination match for him as well, we know how good Novak Djokovic is in elimination matches Throughout his career, hello, 17 Grand Slam titles. But I think this match goes the distance. I mean, backhand to backhand, this is as fun as it gets. Now, of course, Djokovic does have the ability to stretch Zverev's forehand to get it exposed to draw shanks, but he can't really overwhelm it with Payson. And Zverev's going to have a look on the returns of serve as well. I don't know. I think this one's going to be a battle. I think. Djokovic wins. Uh, certainly, I'm ready to be done talking about Lord Voldemort for this 2020 season. So, hopefully, uh, I don't, not, I, yes, hopefully, Novak Djokovic wins this match. But I don't know. I think it's going to be a battle. I think it's going to be a really, really fun one. And, of course, our second match would be fun uh, if Daniil Medvedev hadn't already clinched his spot. And I do worry, you know, he's got to play the next day in the semifinals. If he goes down an early break or if he loses the first set, will this be a quick match? I think there's no way this one lasts for longer than an hour-and-a-half win or lose for Medvedev. Now, of course, you look at Daniil Medvedev, 4-0 in his career against Diego Schwartzman Has only dropped one set to Schwartzman. That came earlier this year at at the ATP Cup, and of course Medvedev just beat him in Paris 6-3-6-1. There is a world where Medvedev just does that again, where he's just like, you know what, this guy can't hurt me if I'm locked in, I'm focused, I can get on and off the court in under an hour. In fact, that quarterfinal in Paris, an hour, two minutes for Medvedev against Schwartzman. I think he could absolutely do that tomorrow, but in terms of gambling, I talked about on the Ace of the Day, it's a stay away for me. I mean, much like Andre Rublev, right? Diego Schwartz not looking to go winless in his first ATP or year-end championship. Actually, maybe he's like, you know what? I am looking to go winless. No, obviously he is not. I don't know. I don't know. I don't gamble on a match when a guy is 2 and 0 and has already won his group and the other person's 0 and 2 is looking for their first win unless you're gambling on the underdog to win because they are fairly lopsided odds, but at the same time, Neeme Medvedev's 2 and 0, so it's a stay away for me. It's one I'm just going to enjoy watching. In general, that's my feeling towards London tomorrow, but overall should be two really, really fun matches. With that in mind, let's just quickly talk about the challenger action we saw on Thursday set up the quarterfinals on Friday in Orlando. Oh, it's going to be four Americans in the semifinals: Richard Kruger, Nakashima, McDonald all advancing to tomorrow's matches. In fact, it's Nakashima versus McDonald's, Kruger versus Richard, so it guarantees we will have at least one American make the finals of this event. Uh, Mitchell Kruger, the match of the day, three-set victory over his former roommate and good friend, Bjorn Fertangelo. By the way, both of those guys, people we have had on our Cracked Interviews podcast, so go check those out if you haven't yet. Brandon Nakashima as well, Mackie McDonald as well, too. Haven't had Richard or Chappell. I think Richard's one of the few huge Hughes, few uh, who's, Hugh, hey, great shot. Him uh, and Colin Altamirano, the two I am still chasing. That's a conversation for another time. Anyways, he looked really good. Three and four win over Nick Chapel. Just had the biggest weapons. Brandon Nakashima. I mean, Tiego Montiero was bombing forehands and again it's swirling winds this week in Orlando so when you have a weapon of that size that can just penetrate and hit you know hit through the wind uh that's a huge advantage but Nakashima is just so rock solid and I think he's got sneaky better pop now on the serve was finding the tee really well uh on both the ad and dooth sides of the court in this match was able to find big serves when he needed them most and then again just handled the conditions well played with the wind on his back he knew when to move Forward, he knew when to change directions. I thought it was a really, a really strong match. By the way, same deal for Mackie McDonald. Good three and three win for him over talented young Swede Elias Emer. Uh, for Mackie, it's just his speed. It didn't matter how windy it was. He is that fast. He hits the ball back cleanly. That it's just gonna break through the wind. And this was a really good performance for him. Four really fun matches for different reasons. And of course, that sets up Friday's quarterfinal matches. As I mentioned, Nakashima McDonald, Richard Krueger, you. Banks could so three all American quarterfinals, and then Popco versus Gunaswaran are only all seeded quarterfinals, so should be a fun day in Orlando. In Ecuador, we had a three-set win from Sosa, and then straight-set wins from De Jong, Roca Bataya and Carbeas Bena, the number two seed. In tomorrow's quarterfinals, it's going to be Sosa and Carbeas Benia, the number five and two seeds, respectively. Number three seed, Marten versus Baez, Roca Bataya versus De Jong, and then number four seed, Hami Munar versus 22, Argentinian Sergio Dolo. So again, if you're looking for some clay court action throughout the day, you can turn to the action in Ecuador. Lastly, it's Lenz Huang, Muller Marchenko, Gayo Karatsev, and Mahak versus Ivashka for the action in Italy. And that sets up what should be one of, again, a really fun, fun, one of our, and one of our final championship weekends of this 2020 season across the professional tennis landscape. Of course, if you have missed any of the action, be sure to go recap, uh, go find our recaps on everything on our website, crackrackets.com, whether it's this podcast, the Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews, or Inside Out Podcast, our YouTube channel, of course. Course, our fantastic writers. We try to cover it all, folks, whether it be college tennis. We've started our college contender series. Manny Diaz, uh, Brian Shelton, Adam Steinberg, all coaches on the cracked interviews, podcast conversations. You can find uh, that and so much more. So, of course, I will ask like, rate, subscribe, review, share with your friends. Of course, uh, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at crack rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at great shot pod. Shout out as always to our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westhoff. for the of an any job they do day in day out making all this content possible shout out of course as well to our friends at Midwest Sports and Aero Bar go to MidwestSports.com use the promo code CR15 go to AeroBar.com use the promo code Cracked15 but with that in mind for our wonderful super producers Slygner and Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports and Aero Bar and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network I'm your host Alex Greskin you know what we say that's the break and we will see you all tomorrow thanks everyone We'll be right back. back.